0: Well, it's been such a blessing to be here this week. I just keep thinking of the most blessed settings to be in while we're here on earth. While well, God has us here as humble servants, being here at camp, and of course, every time we're together with the church, the most blessed times. And I'm sure at this camp this week, just a tremendous theme. We don't hear about it enough, we don't think about it enough uh, the humility that Jesus taught, that Jesus lived. And I'm sure you're feeling that just every day, every message, every small group time. uh, The Lord is using it. The Spirit is using it to change our hearts, to change our characters, to make us more humble and more sensitive to others. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, I lift up a prayer now as we come to your word that we come to it with humble hearts, as we should every time that we approach your word. When we are humble in our hearts and we look into your word, then we are listening, then we are learning, then you are changing us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. So in our humble efforts this evening, humility in preaching, humility in listening, open up your word to us, that we may hear your truth, that the spirit of truth is here to transform us, in this extremely important area of humility in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and open with me as we begin to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. There are some passages we cannot miss at our camp this week. And Luke chapter 14 is the one we'll start with, just to see Jesus' teaching on humility. When Jesus taught on humility, he gave a quality that was essentially completely new to the world, the Christian quality, the value of humility, as he explained it as he lived it, in Luke 14. And verse seven. Jesus, he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noticed how they would choose the best places for themselves. verse 8 says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at the best place. Because a more distinguished person than you may have been invited by your host. The one who invited both of you may come to you and say, give your place to this man. And then in humiliation, you will proceed to take the lowliest place. But when you are invited, go and recline in the lowest place, so that when the one who invited you comes... He will say to you, friend, move up higher, and you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. To notice there, as Jesus taught, this great parable on humility, just as we begin, two thoughts. First, that the world has a completely opposite mindset of humility, doesn't it? The world would say, if they heard this, don't you want the best spot at everything that you're at? Don't you want the best thing that you can possibly get everywhere you go? I say, yes, yes, I want that. That's what our heart cries out. Why? Because we have fallen, sinful human flesh. Our character is the opposite of, as the Lord would tell us, be humble. And the world, and even way back then in time, Roman times, they would value that. Yeah, get the best for yourself. Get the best places. They would not value humility at all. It also teaches us many lessons, but another one is that we, are const- we will constantly have opportunities in every setting that we're in to be humble. And as I said this week, aren't you growing in sensitivity in all of our meeting times, all of our meal times, every, every time we're together? And here's an opportunity to be humble. Go ahead and, and go first. Go ahead and have a better seat. How can I help you? How can I serve you? We're being changed even over the past couple days. Our role and our attitude on earth right now is to be servants. We are awaiting the kingdom come. We're awaiting the return of Christ. We're humble servants. We are heralds proclaiming the good news and serving in humility as Christ gives us the example. In our message tonight, we're going to look forward to the future hope. We've started at the beginning. We're created out of dust. We've been hearing... About God's plan, His purposes, His process, that we're humble now in servants. And now we want to look forward to glory. And we also want to learn from the best example in Scripture, the example of Jesus Christ, how He humbled Himself. And turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. A passage we cannot miss. The preeminent example of Jesus Christ and his humility. Philippians 2 verse 3. We'll start there. Do nothing from selfish, selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Here, Paul teaches us and Christ teaches us on humility in the most practical way. The greatest example in scripture, the perfect sinless life of Jesus Christ. Paul starts with the the mindset of Christ the humble mindset in verse 5. He says, Have this attitude or mind or mindset in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was his mindset when he was here on earth? It was a mindset of humility, of lowliness. Our mindset is our what we're thinking, our intentions, our dispositions, our, our attitudes. We need to have our minds changed. And we will as we look tonight at Jesus' humble example. We'll be thinking about it. We'll see what he did, and we'll change our mindset into the humble mindset of Christ. And as we've been talking this week, looking for a definition of humility, what is humility? I think it's rooted here, that humility is a lowliness of mind. That out of the fear of God, you regard others before yourself, and you act to serve them. I'll say that again, that humility is a lowliness of mind, is a proper estimation of yourself. By the fear of God, that you consider others before yourself and you act to serve them. That's the humble mindset that Christ had. Now, notice these three steps that Jesus took down in his humility. The first step that Christ took, lowering himself in humility, was a humble renunciation in verse 6, a humble renunciation Jesus, who as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. We ask, what did Jesus give up when he came to earth? When he came down and he was incarnate as a man? Jesus already existed in the form of God before he took upon himself a human nature, which is called the Incarnation. What as says existed, it means he eternally existed as the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. That's his essential nature. He is God. The word form means the outward appearance of an inner reality. So the inner reality, Jesus Christ, is God. The outward appearance, he came and appeared as a man, taking on flesh. Next, Jesus did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped. The word for equality means same or equal in every way. It means the attributes, the nature, the characteristics of God the Father, exactly the same as the attributes, the nature, and the characteristics of God the Son. In every way the Father is God, so is the Son and the Holy Spirit. It says Jesus viewed that as not something to be grasped. And this is the idea of clinging onto, holding fast. He did not grasp onto those divine rights and privileges. But the humility was that he would take on flesh and he would live in that limited way as a man, voluntarily. This is how he humbled himself. What did Jesus renounce in the uh, incarnation? What did he give up? He renounced the glories of heaven. He left that throne room. He left heaven. He came down here to a fallen earth. Jesus renounced the honor and worship from all creation. I love those pictures in scripture of the worship that's happening at the throne all the time. And he left that behind. Jesus renounced the privileges of deity as he was limited to a human body. This was voluntarily. He was not going to use his powers to make his life easier. He wasn't just going to use them outside of the plan of God. Jesus renounced divine glory. And it was veiled. Veiled as he was here on earth. I love the transfiguration, right? Just for a moment, Jesus showed who he really was. He showed his glory, but he was veiling that while he was on earth. This was the great condescension. He had all of this, all of that, but he left it behind. Why? To die on the cross for our sins. To come down here to accomplish the plan of the Father to pay for sins on the cross so that Adam's fallen race would be redeemed. He humbled himself and renounced those things. Now, how does this apply to us? We're immediately thinking what do we need to re- renounce as we humble ourselves? What might we grasp onto that would feed our pride, that would puff us up? We must let go. We must let go of our status, we must let go of our position. We must let go of our titles, our rights, our powers, our privileges, our talents, and our achievements. We do not cling on to those. That gives us the prideful mindset where we might say, Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I have a right to do? Don't you know what I've achieved? We need to renounce those. That's a prideful mindset. If we hold on to those, we learn from Jesus, let them go. They are not important before God. And they will only feed our pride. We need to renounce all these worldly statuses because we're all just sinners saved by grace. I always love the statement, who you are before God is who you truly are. None of those other things are going to matter. What matters is that you are in Christ, that you have believed in Him, that you are saved. So our first step as we emulate, we follow the example of Christ is a humble renunciation this begins our lowly mindset. We're not clinging on to all of those status markers. The second step that Christ took in lowering himself in humility is his humble incarnation in verse 7. His humble incarnation. It says, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born into the likeness of men. This is a central teaching in the Christian faith, the incarnation of Jesus Christ is a voluntary act by God, the son, the eternal second person of the Trinity, where he took upon himself a human nature. Jesus Christ forever will be fully God and fully man in one person. It says that he emptied himself. This means to make something empty to pour out or to unload something. Jesus voluntarily decided to take take upon himself a human nature. He let go. He emptied himself the the divine rights and privileges. He remained God, but he humbly took upon himself the limitations and weaknesses of humanity. So he never lost anything of being God, but he voluntarily limited himself and appeared as man and was a man. We continue the humble descent of Christ. Next it says he took the form... Of a bond servant. The word here means the outward appearance manifested, that has changed. That the eternal divine son has taken up the appearance of a human slave. That's what he looks looks like, and that's the role that he took up. It says bondservant here, meaning Jesus was voluntarily a servant, or of course the word would be a slave. He was perfectly going to do the will of the Father. Jesus gave up all those privileges and he went voluntarily to the lowest social status that there was to serve sinful people who gave him no regard. So you see what he's renouncing? The glories of heaven all the way down. What's the lowliest that they would think of? That would be a slave. Someone at the bottom. It reminds me, of course, of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Another tremendous example of humility and service that we cannot miss. That the divine Son of God would do that for a sinful human race, it makes us scandalized. God comes to earth, the lowliest slave, our example to follow, even as it says in John 13. In Mark 10, verses 44 and 45, Jesus said, And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man, Came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. A humble mindset. We will be slaves and servants of God. We will follow his will, his plan, his commands for what we are to do in life. Then it says, being made in the likeness of men. So first, is Jesus taking on the human nature in the virgin birth. Like this means being just like something else in nature or appearance. The reality was that Jesus was 100% fully man and 100% fully God at the same time. Essential humanity, just like I am human, that was the nature that Christ took upon himself. Jesus, our master, took the role of a slave. As we're following his example, as we're learning from this passage, we humble ourselves as well. We follow the master. This is a lowly, humble mindset. You see how we're we're going down, renouncing what we cling on to, now taking the role of a servant and a slave. That is our mindset. The third step that Christ took in lowering himself in humility was humble crucifixion in verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So the descent continues. He left heaven. He took on the weaknesses and the limitations of humanity. He took upon himself the form of a lowly slave. And now it says he was found in appearance as a man. Outwardly, he just looked like a human, not like he was divine at all. And he kept going down and down and down. Read again. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This was Jesus' mindset. This was his attitude. These lowly actions. He obeyed the Father, all of the commandments of God, perfectly. That God had the plan. The Son was to follow it. The redemption plan of going to the cross. This makes, makes me think of, as we are humbling ourselves, what is a prideful thing that we can do? What are we inspired to do? Well, we're inspired to not be obedient. We're inspired to rebel, to go against the authorities in our lives. That's a prideful mindset. That can happen anytime. Uh, with parents, with teachers, with bosses, with authorities, and it can show a root problem of pride, as well as just rebellion, that we're rebelling against God when we do not obey. In Hebrews 5.8, it says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. We rejoice in that. The son was obedient, followed the plan of God. That is how we are saved as he went to the cross. And here we reach the lowest point of Jesus' humiliation, the humbling of himself. The shameful and painful death on the cross. The greatest act and symbol of humility is the son dying on the cross, the incarnate son. This was his sacrificial service, but it gained the greatest reward, eternal salvation for all those who would call upon his name. In Hebrews 12 verse 2, it says, Because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we look to the cross, and we see Jesus' humble example there, that we learn that our salvation is actually based on the humility of Christ. If he did not humble himself, if he did not take on a human nature, if he did not go to the cross, then we would not be saved. This was all out of a humble mindset. We follow the example of Christ. We humble ourselves, even as Christ taught. He said, take up your crosses and follow Him. It's a prideful mindset if we are not crucifying ourselves, if we are just in this life for what we're after, for what we want. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh is by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. This is a humble, crucified mindset. That our selfish and our prideful lives have been put to death on the cross. And now we live as humble servants in our lives. This is a third step that we are to emulate. Christ's example of humble crucifixion. We lay down our lives, sacrificially and lovingly serving others. We follow his example. And now we turn the corner. As we went all the way down, we see how Jesus humbled himself. We learn from what he did. We learn to follow his example. And we see what God did in the exaltation of Christ. As he hit the bottom, then God raised him up all the way to the right hand of the Father. The first step of Jesus' exaltation is vindication in verse 9. Verse 9 says, For this reason also God highly exalted him. Vindication means the act of clearing someone from blame, suspicion, or declaring them right or justified. We remember that sinful humanity declared Jesus as guilty. They wanted him dead. They uh, made up all these false accusations, put, uh, put to death on the cross as a sinful man. But he was vindicated by God. He was raised from the grave, he rose again in the resurrection. The exaltation starts with the resurrection. He was made alive again. He was given a glorious body. And this was a statement, Jesus is vindicated. He should not have suffered the penalty of death, which is the curse, because he never sinned. Acts 5.30 says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, who you had put to death by hanging him on the cross. The death was not justified, and he was vindicated. The exaltation of Christ started with the resurrection. Up from the grave he arose in his humble, lowly mindset, even to the point of death on the cross. And God reversed that and exalted him in glory in the resurrection. Jesus' vindication also included the ascension, that he ascended back to the right hand of the Father. He ascended up to heaven. The disciples saw Jesus ascend to heaven from the Mount of Olives, Ephesians 1.20 says, God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. In Hebrews 1, verse 3, it says, When He made purification for sins, when He died on the cross, when He paid for our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. So sacrificial mission of Christ was accomplished. Jesus said, it is finished. He was received back to the Father. And the Father said, well done, my good and faithful, perfect servant, the Eternal Son. You've accomplished the mission, and you go back to the right hand of the Father. This is the exalted ascent, rising from the dead, ascending to heaven, to the right hand of God, vindicated before all and exalted all the way back up to heaven. In Christ's vindication is our hope of salvation, the resurrection, the exaltation by God. He lifted him up in honor, and we look forward to that. Being lifted up in honor... For faithful and humble lives as we live on earth now in His service. That will be the vindication. The second step of Jesus' exaltation is His coronation in verses 9-11. through 11, His coronation. It says, And He bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and those who are on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, coronation means the crowning of a sovereign. Jesus, after his perfect obedience and sacrifice, he was exalted. He was crowned. He was shown to be what he always was, the sovereign ruler of the universe by the Father. When it says Jesus' name, it means the same character, the same honor, the same nature as the Father. And the name was exalted above every name, the name of the Lord. Every knee bowing shows recognition and submission, the exalted status and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, equal with God. So every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. It says all the creatures will bow, covers everything in heaven, the holy angels, the saints, the believers of all ages. On earth, all believers and unbelievers will bow in due time. And under the earth, All the unsaved dead, the fallen angels and demons, and even in writing the sermon, and Satan will bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' exalted name given by God, this is his title, this is his status. He is Lord of all. He's king and sovereign ruler over all with all authority and majesty. Daniel 7 verse 13 says, I kept looking in the night visions and behold... With the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and honor and a kingdom so that all the peoples and nations and populations of all languages might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. In Matthew 28, 28, 18, that's where Jesus said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And when we hear this, we know what we must do. We confess. We confess Jesus as Lord. As we are here, when we have heard the gospel, when we have believed, we have confessed this in our lives. We have trusted in him for salvation. He's returning in his kingdom at a time that we do not expect. And he will return as the king. The one who came to earth, the one who humbled himself, the one who died on the cross. He's been exalted. He's been coronated. He's been crowned as king. We continue to proclaim this. This is the good news. We herald it. He is returning the humble, lowly servant who's been exalted and been crowned. He will come back and he will establish his kingdom. The third step of Jesus' exaltation is glorification in verse 11. Verse 11. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ returned back to where he came from, back to divine glory. the great Dissension going all the way to the bottom, humbling himself, and then the Great Ascension. He's going back to heaven, he's going back to glory. Glory is the totality of the greatness of God, His nature, his character, his attributes. Often when this is mentioned or it appears in God appears in mighty power and majesty. He radiates inexpressible lights, unapproachable, blinding light. If he even, I like to think of it, just barely reveals his glory. You cannot approach. You cannot see. Remember God said that he would not give his glory to another. No creature can take or rob God of his glory and not be condemned. Glory therefore means that Christ is divine. Since this glory and greatness and all this majesty belongs to God. The same glory as God Christ has. But the Father has gladly, he's willingly exalted the person of Christ to divine glory. Why? Because of his perfect humility. It was a return back to glory. The Father's glory is the Son's glory, is the Holy Spirit's glory. The triune, glorious God. In John 17, as Jesus was praying, you can hear when he says glory in this passage. It says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. I have glorified you on the earth by accomplishing the work which you have given me to do. And now you, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, but with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. It's The final step of the exaltation, back to glory. Back to the highest point. The same glory of the Father. The same glory of our triune, glorious God forever. Now what does this all mean for us? It means in our lives, as we're called to humility... As we're called to live here on earth as servants, as herald of the good news and of the kingdom, that we look forward to humble glorification for eternity. We'll follow the same pattern of Christ, in the sense of humbling ourselves, and then God will exalt us. In Matthew five, five, Jesus said, Blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. In Luke fourteen, eleven as we read, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. We humble ourselves during this life because we're looking forward to the life to come. We're looking forward to the exaltation that comes from God. Now, what do we hope in? What do we look forward to? Well, first, the humble will be vindicated. Now, vindication, as we mentioned, is, is not just justification. But it means that God will show the righteousness of the saints. That God will show for whatever reasons that they were opposed. Whatever reasons that they were persecuted. Whatever charges that were put against them. There will be a vindication. That this was a faithful person in Christ. A humble servant in the name of Christ. As we like to say, the record will be set straight. God will show exactly the life that was lived for Christ. Psalm 7, 8. It says, the Lord judges the peoples. Vindicate me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and my integrity that is in me. That God knows your life. And uh, those who may say negative or false things against it will not stand. Psalm seventeen two says, let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Appealing to God, vindicate me, and he will. Psalm 135, verse 14, for the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his people servants. We don't look forward to the acclaim of men. We don't look forward just to the achievements of this life. But what are we looking for? The vindication that comes from God. We're waiting to hear. I love that line. We go before the Father after living our faithful lives as servants for his name, humbly doing that, that he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my humble, faithful servant. We're humble now, and we look forward to vindication in the future. Second, the humble will be exalted, will be lifted up, that we will be lifted to the true position, our status in Christ in glory. We live our lives in this lowly, humble manner, but there will be a true recognition for our our service and faith. This will happen on, on Judgment Day when we stand before Him. Scripture says, that God will exalt us so that we reign with Him. Second 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we endure, we will also reign with Him. Revelation 3.21, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne, and I also, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. Revelation 5.10, You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I'll, I'll say this a number of times. Living humbly now as servants. Doing as the Lord called us to do. But what's one thing we're looking forward to? Reigning with Christ. Going all the way, sharing the reign with Christ. Scripture also says that believers will receive crowns and rewards in heaven. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Why? Because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Scripture tells us that there are crowns of life, of righteousness, unfading crowns, and crown of glory. We look forward to these in heaven. So again, we're humbly serving here, doing what the Lord would have for us, proclaiming the gospel, looking forward to crowns in heaven. Scripture says that we will receive an imperishable inheritance. 1 Peter 1, verses 3-5. through Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And what? To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So again, humbly serving here. Maybe not having any property, not having many things, but a future hope that we have an inheritance in heaven kept by the power of God. Third, the humble will be glorified with Christ, glorified with Christ. Humble, faithful servants will be exalted and will be lifted up into glory. Brothers and sisters, we're looking forward to the glorification. As we mentioned, Christ... Descending, going down, humbly serving, lifted all the way back up into glory. What does Scripture say? Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in what? In glory. 1 Peter five ten. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. As we heard last night in Philippians three twenty and 21, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of his power that has even to subject all things to himself. Again, our humble service here. The short time that we're here on earth, doing the will of the Father, looking forward to future glory, exaltation and glory with Christ. And that leaves us at our last point. Our eternal destiny as creatures will be that we humbly worship the triune God forever. We will always be humble creatures. We'll always be the ones who are made of dust. We'll always be the ones who lived here on this fallen earth. We'll be the ones who passed away. We'll be the ones who trusted in Christ before that. And then we'll be resurrected. We'll always be the creature. And God will always be the eternal, glorious, holy creator forever. We'll be casting our crowns at the feet of Jesus forever. We'll be worshiping Christ at all times. The new heavens and the new earth. We'll always be humble creatures Worshiping God. Why don't you turn with me as we're about to close to Revelation? Just to look at these passages passages of eternal worship that will be rendered to God. Revelation chapter five. Revelation chapter five. <clears throat> Revelation five eleven. And I want you to see this. I want you to be thinking of these future glories, future exaltation of the saints, future worship forever. Revelation 5, 11 through 13. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is a lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever. Do you think that worship is going to stop? It's going to continue as we are humble creatures who will worship him in this way forever. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12. After these things, I looked. After these things I looked and beheld a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures And they fell on their faces before the throne. Then they worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God for how long? For forever and ever. Amen. Go with me to Revelation 22. Just look at verse 5. Says and there will no longer be any night. And they will not have need of the light of a lamp, nor of the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. The humble worshipers, the ones who lived here with the lowly mindset of Christ, looking forward to the exaltation, looking forward to the vindication, looking forward to all that God has for us in glory. Looking forward to eternal worship of our Creator. We want to follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Looking forward to the same hope. As we humble ourselves in this life. As we say this life is short. Eternity is long. It is infinitely long. That we have our glorious hope. Everything that God has for us. All of the worship that we will have for eternity. Praising our Creator. I close with 1 Peter five six, As it was said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you when? At the proper time. Let me pray for us again. Father, Your Word shows us what You have in store for us in the future. The glories that when we read your word, when we hear your word, that we're just learning of them, we're just imagining them by faith, that we would be exalted in Christ in glory, that we would reign, that we would be given recognition and honor and vindication by you for the lives that we live here. Help us, God, to have this clear focus in our hearts and minds every day as we live, That helps us to humble ourselves, It helps us to know that we are to serve here, that we are to proclaim the good news, that we are to show the character of Christ, show the world something different, and not the pride that it has. And as we have the future hope, it motivates us now that our time here on earth is short, and we look forward to being before you and hearing those words, Well done, my good, faithful, and humble servant. I pray, God, that that is the main motivation of our hearts, to live pleasing to you, to praise you, and to be overjoyed at the humble worship we look forward to forever. In Jesus' name, amen.